It's the moment you've all been waiting for. The Forum at 8 with Sakina Kamwendo on AM Live. The Forum at 8 with Sakina Kamwendo. And thanks so much for tuning in to the show. 12 minutes after 8 now. And uh, we're hosting, once again, the Auditor General. And uh, I think it has become somewhat of a tradition now on AM Live uh, that we would bring the Auditor General in um, after he presents his audit outcomes so that we can just go through them and understand what is happening in our municipalities. Um, uh, Mr. Kimi Makwetu, as always, a pleasure having you. Thanks for coming through. Thank you very much, Sakina, and good morning to all the listeners. So the last time you were here, you said you felt like, uh, you know, uh, you were wrestling a pig in the mud. Uh, who's winning? You or the pig? Well, uh, Sakina, I, I just uh, expected you were going to start there. <laughs> um, well, if you think about it, you know, seemingly some uh, pigs enjoy the treat for a while in the mud. And you you can observe this when you when you try and distract them from what they are doing. You know they soon turn around while in the mud and look you funny as if to say, mm. and they carry on sometimes after they've given you that gesture. Oh wow! Uh, so that's one element of this. But of course, I think it would seem that a a more tighter control and. Uh, Consequence environment is possibly the one way to lure them out of the mud. Uh, Similarly, now the incentive that has been given to many of them to encourage them to come out of the mud is not necessarily enjoying wider appeal. So, yes, some still in the mud, but there are some strengthening of controls and consequences that needs to be done to fix the situation. You know... Inevitably, when we have this conversation, uh, some listeners will say, um, you know, it uh, feels like Groundhog Day. Here we go again. Uh, Same old, same old without much happening. Last week, we spoke to the former uh, president, Kalima Mutlante. Um, about the panel that he heads up, uh, talking about laws that were passed since 1994. And I uh, remember one of the listeners talking about the powers of the Office of the Auditor General. In that, And I think this is a sentiment that's quite widely held, that it really doesn't um, inspire much confidence if the Auditor General goes out, uh, you know, looks at the books, comes up with these findings and yet uh, can't go much further than that in terms of uh, coming up with punitive measures uh, that one would hope would discourage uh, the sort of uh, ill behavior that we see? <clears throat> well, uh, if you look at the thinking of the people that uh, put together our constitution, I think it was correct for them to establish an audit institution. Because the commitments that are made by government, whether in local government or nationally, are yearly occurrences where appropriations of monies from the tax revenue are allocated for various activities. So an audit, quite frankly, as an instrument to establish the accountability systems and to check that the accountability systems are in place is an indispensable part of a system that has been configured like ours. So uh, I think people should not tire because one year that leads to a bad set of audit outcomes will always emerge with new recommendations and even old recommendations. So the reality is that nobody does anything about it because the level of consequences that attach to each one of these institutions once they've transgressed 
is very low. So in an environment where you've got a very low level of confidence and you, or rather consequence, <clears throat> and you, you have a mild set of penalties that will attach to people once they do wrong, the chances are that the misbehavior tends to continue. So we've, we've, we've made a submission to our committee in Parliament in the context of that understanding, in the context of the many years of irregular expenditure and the many years of inappropriate accounting disciplines. And of course what we have said to the committee was not really to give us anything extraordinary, but to allow us the power, once we have concluded on the audits, to identify the likes of your serial offenders, if you like, mm. the ones that end up with disclaimers every now and again, the ones who end up with uh, irregular expenditure issues every now and again, the ones who always have inherent conflict of interest in the jobs that they perform while they have vested economic interest in the entities with whom they, pro- uh, they, 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 they trade. If you have that power where we can independently surface a list across the board of all of those that need to be handed over to investigative agencies. Because an audit's limitations, quite frankly, is that it identifies the deviation without going into evidence gathering Mm. about what was the reason behind a deviation. However, an investigating agency like a public protector, like an SIU, like a Hawks, like any one of those, would be able, through their existing instruments, to go deeper into these issues. And I think, Sakina, if you think about it, even if it was 20 issues, if there was a very clear statement in the public that says, if you conduct supply chain management business in your entity in an unacceptable manner, and it falls foul of the audit process, you will not be in control of what happens after that conclusion Mm. has been reached. And I think to us that is a fundamental issue that we have proposed as part of enhancing our powers. So it's not really redefining them, but it's closing and narrowing the space for those that have enjoyed staying in the mud, if you want to use that. And of course, uh, just as a reminder, uh, the financial year uh, comes to an end and uh, the issue of accountability always an issue for the broader public, especially when we look at these ordered outcomes. Um, and I was speaking to Karen Hisa earlier from Municipal IQ. What can be done in this regard to make sure that we hold the correct people accountable and that it's not a case of when someone moves on, uh, you know, the financial year ends and for one reason or the another, be it uh, elections or whatever, resignations, someone then moves out of that position. Uh, how should we hold them accountable before they move on? Let's look at the whole cycle to start with, uh, Sakina. If you, if you think about it, we probably from a timing point of view are at the right place, as you say. 30 June is the final day when the books close for all the municipalities across the country. All 260-something of them will close their books next week. They will be given two weeks to prepare and to analyze the accounts and to reconcile those areas that they have not even paid attention to in the last 11 months. And they will be required by the end of August, which is two months after the close of the books, to hand over the financial statements to the auditors across all our provinces so that they can inspect the books, analyze them, check them, verify them, go through all the procedures that are required in order to sign off financial statements, which normally happen finally by the end of November, at which point the audit report is issued.
So what I think is important is that all of us as citizens belong to one municipality or another because this is a wall-to-wall system Mm. across the country. It must be of interest to people in those municipalities to wonder come the end of August whether their municipality has come to the party just to be interested because I'm sure within the systems of a Municipal Structures Act there are forums of engagement to find out about those matters because in the same breath if those municipalities go to those structures to declare what they plan to do with regards to their integrated development plans it ought to follow that those communities are equally interested in how that money subsequent to the approval of the IDP would have been spent and is there a record and is there evidence of a set of financial statements so that while people are reading this report and are accessing it on the net they know that the clock has already gone back to zero we now at the end of the next year they need to be inquiring about the same kind of issues that are likely to emerge if no actions have been taken I think that will be the starting point in trying to drive this accountability so that what is being done by those that are elected officials through councils is, inf- is, is reinforced by those that live in those municipalities because they bear the direct experience of what comes out when monies get diverted. So uh, just looking at these outcomes in summary, um, 49 municipalities overall achieved clean audits. Uh, Then you have the Western Cape sitting at the top of the provinces, um, uh, 80% of uh, clean audit opinions, followed by KwaZulu-Natal at 18% and the Eastern Cape at 16%. So uh, quite a few of our listeners have picked up on that saying 18%. 16 percent. So uh, if you could just explain to us, uh, you know, the improvement that we've seen in these two provinces. Let's just look at the context as a start uh, in terms of those three. There's a difference between a province that uh, makes a determined investment in driving this issue over a long period of time, spending over five years sometimes. And I think that has been the experience that we've picked up, among others, in the Western Cape. This has been a diligent pursuit. If you look back to the accounts and maybe six, seven years, the Western Cape was no different to the Northwest, insofar as the outcomes were concerned then. Mm. Now, this is an outcome of a determined effort at the highest level in the province. In this case, the Premier's uh, coordinating forum has basically, on a quarterly basis, with us present, taken their municipalities through these disciplines and had very appropriate consequences to deal with those that were falling behind. So this is one outcome of it. It's one you invest the time versus those that will try to respond to the specific issues that have been identified in that particular year, go uh, away when there's no issue on the table and hope that uh, nothing comes forth. So it's a question of have you really established a strong tone at the top in the institution to ensure that the disciplines of internal control are always observed and when there are deviations, steps are taken to manage those issues at the right level. That is the difference I think that you are seeing. But of course, there will be those that will try and uh, uh, while they know that they have not been looking at any of these issues, at the end of the audit cycle, they will try and muscle up and come up with a lot of poetry to try and, uh, and explain what they thought would have had to happen and stuff like that and they come and attribute it to all sorts of unrelated things that have nothing to do with somebody having to supervise what they are supposed to supervise.
And, you know, just at a glance, just looking at uh, the uh, outcomes here, and if you look at the list for the Western Cape, clearly the longest in terms of uh, the municipalities that have achieved clean audits and um, one municipal entity there, the Cape Town International Convention Centre. But I think the Eastern Cape and KwaZulu-Natal, given where they come from, can take heart, you know, um, when they look at what their outcome is this time around. Oh, certainly, uh, I would I would agree with that. And I think if you look at the <clears throat> if you look at the Eastern Cape, among others, if it were not for some of those that had previously achieved uh, clean audits, if it was not for those that had reversed, for mm. example, with this good outcome in the in the Eastern Cape, you have the likes of Sarapatman, for example, district that was previously clean but has fallen foul of some of these uh, compliance issues in the current year, and they went back to unqualified with findings. Another example, which was also uh, clean for quite a bit of time and has suddenly fallen out of this, was the Joe Kabi uh, Economic Development Agency, and uh, and so on. So those two, if you look at them, uh, as well as the as the yeah, those two. If you look at those two. If they were still clean, we would have been talking about a much more improved outcome in the Eastern Cape. So the Eastern Cape certainly, but KZN, I think if you look at the KZN environment, again, there's a number of clean audits in KZN that were lost. A large part of this is attributable to quite a number of uh, vacancies and uh, leadership instability in a number of municipalities in in the KZN province. Uh, If I just take stock of a few of them, for example, as in Olweni was clean in the previous period, the Hibiscus Coast was as well. Um, Singa was also another clean. Mutu was another one. Ubuklebezu as well as Umtoni. So these are quite a number of municipalities that mm. because of issues of uh, instability had regressed. Now again, who allows that instability to surface and to start uh, corroding the internal control environment? Because the reality is that the natural interfaces between the people in the elected part as well as in the executive is what creates this lubricating effect in the system, if you like, because if I'm an accounting officer and I have confidence in the fact that the staff that I bring up to those that are charged with oversight will be listened and understood in the context of what is to be done, sometimes we win the war. But it's when those conflicts get deeper that we sometimes even lose the systems of accountability. But we have to, um, you know, once again, just look at the Western Cape. Um, They have actually showed um, a a further improvement, 7% from 73% in the previous year to 80% this year. And uh, from what you've told us previously, we always hear about, you know, um, municipal managers and other officials going on trips overseas to go and look at best practice of what to do how many are going to the Western Cape, or is that not a good example to follow? Well, I have no idea <laughs> how many do that, but uh, it's clear from the work we've been doing over these years that a lot of the municipalities in the Western Cape must take credit because they've really shot the lights out when it comes to these disciplines of good governance, financial management, and so on. So I think uh, that goes without saying. And then, of course, at the bottom of the pile, the Northwest Province, the Northern Cape, and the Free State. What do we attribute uh, this poor showing to? Well, a lot of these municipalities, uh, Sakina, in these provinces, <clears throat> again, are suffering from making commitments and promises year in and year out. 
And then before you know it, some of them are subjected to administration and then people leave and then the systems of accountability fall apart. However, the biggest uh, weakness has also been that those that are within that particular province have not really taken full charge of uh, things as they fall apart. So it's, it's, it's a couple of those issues, we, we believe, and we, we think that even these municipalities in these provinces, if there's a little bit of light shown on them in a direct way, through proper consequences, we could see a different uh, behavior here. Because all of this, much, much, much as we look at issues of the relationship between <clears throat> the provision of services and how funds are handled, at the, at the heart of this is whether the leadership is responsive to the issues that are uh, contained in their accounts. The biggest risk going forward, if you look at all of them, and I think they will start worrying about this now, especially those that uh, uh, provide leadership, is the, is the assessment we have made with regards to financial sustainability going forward. Uh, there's a number of them that are now writing in red ink in the sense that the, the expenditures they've incurred through the, the statement of income and expenditure are starting to exceed the revenue that they've generated either through appropriations, through grants and many other things, which means that the prospects for additional revenue, as we know, the the effects of what has happened in the economy is starting to eat into those local government municipalities. Now, in the absence of proper controls to manage these finances, the chances are that you might end up with little cash available to do the things you need to do. That's one of the fundamental risks that is reinforced by a serious lack of controls in many of them. How many municipalities are we talking about? Well, uh, in the report, we, 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 we're talking about quite a significant number. I'll have a look now and check uh, the detailed number, but it's quite a substantial number of them. <clears throat> if you look at those, for example, out of the 263, the ones that are now starting to have a number of deficits, you'll find that there's about uh, 27% of them of the 263. But if you look at those that normally take more than 120 days to collect money due to them, it's almost 44% of them. So the percentages vary depending on the different elements that we have assessed in terms of their financial statements. The ones that take longer to pay their suppliers, which is another critical issue, because the longer you take to pay your supplier who is delivering uh, social infrastructure for service delivery, like water infrastructure and stuff like that, remember that supplier, when they were awarded the contract, they had to muscle up in respect of labor, materials, and all sorts of other tools they use. Now, if they don't get paid, sometimes they pull out of sight while the the project is in progress, either because the municipality was not watching how it deals with its monies insofar as the delivery of that contract is concerned. And if that service provider leaves sight, the challenges now are going to be how much more is it going to cost to start from scratch. That's the challenge which faces all of them with regards to sustainability of their finances. It's your favorite time of the morning. The Forum at 8 with Sakina Kamwendo. Favorite time of the morning on AM Live. And thanks for tuning in. Uh, we're hosting the Auditor General, Mr. Kimi Makwetu, this morning. And we're looking at uh, the latest audit outcomes for the 2015-2016 financial year. And uh, the lines are open, 891 Couldn't believe how quickly that first segment of the show passed of the uh, Forum at 8. And uh, just before the break there, um, Mr. Makwetu, you spoke about uh, 70 municipalities <coughs> um, which were going, uh, which rather were uh, concerned 
concerning and uh, their ex- continued existence is uh, rather uncertain given their financial status. And you said they are now writing in red. So, um, and uh, just uh, for the benefit of the listeners, uh, where are those municipalities and how many of them? So, in the Western Cape, there are five municipalities Eastern Cape, six. Free State, 17. In, the, in Gauteng, 4. KwaZulu-Natal, 11. 4 in Limpopo. 3 in Mpumalanga. Northern Cape, there's 10. And in the Northwest Province, uh, 10 more. So, of these municipalities, if they don't turn things around, what would be the ultimate outcome here? I think it can it can only be disaster, isn't it? Could be a disastrous outcome because uh, if they don't have access to the funds they need to continue to procure the goods and services that are required to deliver services, that's that's close to disaster. As to what happens, I do not know. But certainly, if the leadership doesn't raise their profile in relation to putting in place preventative measures we might find ourselves in that disastrous situation because these things, they accumulate over time. Mm. When you do not deal with issues in subsequent years and you say, well, this issue of irregular expenditure is just a procedure, you know, kind of you limit it to just a procedure as if it's somebody who's wearing uh, red and black socks who's just made a mistake, you know. Uh, that's not what it is. It's, 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 it's fundamental to the fact that when you continue those expenditures, some of which are long-term contracts that are quite pricey, you are also encroaching into the space of certain funds being available in the future because as you spend on the same things, the money dries out because your revenue is becoming more and more limited. So I think it's something that must be given closer attention, particularly when you look at the weaknesses in the control environment. They normally influence what happens at the end. What do I mean by that? If you allow people to procure things and not to be held accountable for things, they become a drain to their account in terms of the bank account because they just pay willy-nilly for things without being checked. Sometimes you don't even know that they are paying to companies where they've got a vested interest in terms of a shareholding. And you end up paying double than what you have to pay. It shrinks the account and you end up having no money in the future. And if these municipalities fail? Well, if they fail, I think the councils will have to do what the law requires them to do in that regard. I think there are some processes that they have to follow with regards to the Municipal Systems Act when those kind of issues hit them. However, I wouldn't be surprised that uh, there are already many of them that are struggling to pay various uh, categories of their commitments as we speak. Well, so uh, just before I go to the calls, 891 is the call-in number. I just want to talk about um, the outstanding audits and very alarming that they had that at the time, um, you know, as you were undertaking this work, there were 15 audits that had not been completed. Eleven of them, uh, of course, uh, subsequently uh, had been uh, finalized. But the four that are still outstanding, are they still outstanding? Yes, they are. But what does that mean, Mr. Maswetu? It means that there are financial statements which, are, which were required to be submitted by the end of August 2016 have still not been submitted as we speak now. So Tabazimbi has not submitted any that's what the financial... Report, that's what the report says. But how does that even happen? 
they will be best place to answer that. But the bottom line is that all of them know two months after you close your books, accounts are submitted. And I think the others that have submitted know this because it's a recurring feature of what Yeah, that was the other thing that I pointed out with Karen because you see these uh, red columns here and they are repeat offenders, it would seem, in the main. And if you look at what the outcome of their audit was after they had submitted, it's, mm. not, it's, it's really nothing to write home about. Because oh. the fact that they were not able to submit sometimes is because they were not able to complete their financial statements. So they wake up and they realize that there's just so much that the auditors are pushing back on in the event that they had submitted. Then they withdraw the original uh, submission. Or sometimes they don't even make the submission because they've now gone out to seek the services of uh, to Incorporated Chartered Accountants around the town type of stuff, you know. And then these guys, they come and do the books. They are also really not even in a position to complete these financial statements because in some instances they also do not find the records to support some of the transactions that they are required to process. No, but where are the everyday checks and balances? That's what the report has been saying all along. Remember, we've always lamented the issue of lack of accounting records that are adequate for preparation of financial statements. So, you know, you get you get an invoice and you do not put it where it should be. Sometimes you just destroy but, it. But no, 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 man. Auditor General, Mr. McQuaid, I'm having a very hard time, you know, coming to terms with this because how do you have no financial statements to submit to the Auditor General? Are there no? Uh, are there perhaps not people employed here? I'm the recipient of these financial statements, remember. So you are asking me, and I'm just sharing with you what they said to us or what happened. So it's going to be very difficult for me to say uh, on such and such a Monday, such and such happened with regards to these financial statements. <laughs> That's the reality. I know. I, 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 yeah, I'm floored here. Because, so Tabazimbi, Mahareng, Pukwane, Renostersburg, you still haven't bothered to submit um, the financial statements for the previous financial year. And as the Auditor General indicated earlier, this finan- the, 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 the next financial year comes to an end next week. Friday next Friday, week. Friday. Friday next week. So what are you going to do? Anyway, let's go to the lines. 0891104208. Speaking to the Auditor General, Kimi Makwetu, this morning. Emmanuel in Cape Town, good morning. Uh, good, uh, good morning, Sakina. Good morning to the Honorable Auditor uh, General. And uh, I thank him for the good job you did. Sakina, my story is this. You have a child. You gave him one run to go and buy knickknacks. And the child came back and told you, Mommy, I didn't buy the knickknacks. I threw the one run in the dustbin. Give me five runs. You gave your that same child five run, he came back, he said, go and buy um, biscuits. He came back and told you, Mommy, I didn't buy the, what you asked me to buy. I threw the, the, the money into the dustbin and give me another money again. What will, what will happen? It is pathetic that with the condition that South Africa is, we can be hearing this kind of report that year in, year out, with the Octogenous support, there are municipalities. People are working there, receiving salaries, and yet they are not doing their job, and nothing is done to them. It is very, very painful. 
Eddie, we're going to, Emmanuel, rather, we're going to leave it there because that line, not great, but I I think the Auditor General did hear uh, the comments that you did manage to get in. Uh, Charles in Cape Town, good morning. Good morning, Sakina and the Auditor General. Sakina, can the Auditor General just elaborate on the five municipalities that um, he was expounding that they are bad in the Western Cape? They haven't, you know, um, they, they 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 in the bad state because I, I mean to me it seems actually the Western Cape they are targeting they haven't spent the budget on the poor especially on housing that's a fact but now I'm not sure if the other general picks that up or is just all the figures he looks at and the balance sheets and then he gives a couple of clean audits. Because the, the 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 situation in in the Western Cape is dire. No matter how um, rosy the pictures play, thank Thanks. Thanks so much, uh, Charles in Cape Town. Um, uh, let's go to John in Grahamstown. Morning, John. Good morning, uh, Skina. I'd like to ask uh, to Auditor General if he has the details of the Makana audit. That's Grahamstown, from where I'm speaking. Uh, we've had we've been in trouble for a long time. We've been under provincial administration twice. Uh, the one administrator was then the highest public official in the country and was uh, personally enriched. Uh, and nothing has improved. We now seem to be on our last legs. And uh, does he have the outcome of the latest audit for Grahamstown or McConnor? All right. We'll see if we can get that for you, John. Auditor General, I'm going to take those few and then we'll come back to a few others. Uh, but if we can perhaps just respond uh, to those comments there. Oh, thank you. Um, <clears throat> just on the comment that uh, Emmanuel made regarding the the one-run knickknacks and the five-run biscuits, mm. um, I think what is what is important to note here is that the the law prescribes that municipalities must be funded regardless of the fact that over the years they have not been buying the biscuits and stuff like that that's the point you know they will continue to be funded because those funds that have been appropriated are aimed at uh, improving the lives of citizens it's not the citizens in those municipalities that have diverted the funds but they obviously are at the receiving end with regards to what then happens after those funds have not gone where they ought to go so i guess part of this whole architecture is also to do with the fact that somebody must respect the law and when the law says you must appropriate to these municipalities that's that's what happens so that's why you keep getting that one round and that five round from the parent because the parent feels the obligation to provide money for biscuits and for knickknacks regardless of the fact that it gets thrown in the dead bin so that's the that's the one part then the part regarding the western cape municipalities um for the caller who called from the western cape i think it will be much easier if you also go to our website just to enrich your understanding of these municipalities that Mm. you are speaking to however it must also be uh, recalled that the focus of an audit is to examine the transactions as well as the disciplines that are put in place in a particular area. Now, if a municipality in the Western Cape, for argument's sake, in Swellendam, has done everything in accordance with the way accounts need to be kept, 
has done everything in accordance with the way the reporting on the information and their performance ought to be done and has complied with the laws that are required to be complied with insofar as financial management is concerned. Now you can see those three elements that we test in an audit are not yet testing the experience of the people who live on the other side of the street mm. from from Church Street in Solendam type of stuff. They examine these disciplines which we believe are an important ingredient to make sure that monies that are made available can also reach on the other side of Church Street in Swellendam. So the qualitative elements of the type of service, the frequency of the service and all of those things is exactly what the, work, the caller in the Western Cape is, 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 is raising. Yeah. A matter that needs to be taken directly by them because they've got a direct access to their municipalities insofar as those issues are concerned. We do not extend our tests to ensure that there has been regular removal of uh, waste in a particular area as compared to another. Maybe the guys that pick the dad bin come once in a particular place and in another place they go two times. We don't really extend the test to this. We just collate the, the information to determine whether the stuff that is being reported is not misleading in that context. Mm. So an audit will not really answer that question because it deals with the allocation of resources. With the many messages coming through just before we get to the others, um, someone is asking, can a, a resident take the uh, municipality to court based on the Auditor General's uh, report? Well, the the citizens can do what they want to do with regards to contesting anything that they want to contest, but the audit report is, 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 is giving you a sense of the type of issues the auditors have come across which have not worked. If on the basis of those conclusions your experiences indicate that you want to take action of this or the other kind. I'm sure there's nothing stopping anyone from doing that. It has happened before, but this instrument is largely to raise the awareness of people about the type of financial management issues that are not happening as they should. Coming to the last question regarding Makana in the Eastern Cape, Makana has has certainly been a troubled municipality, and I know that their financial statements as well as their annual report would have been engaged with at council in Makana by the end of January. Uh, of this year as prescribed in the Municipal Systems Act. And uh, and I think the caller may well make their way to the council in municipality in Makana to find out what the deliberations arising from the presentation of the financial statements, which have got an elaborate number of disclosures about things that have not worked as they were expected to in that municipality. So that information is publicly available information because the audit report was tabled at the end of last year, Mm. and the council would have engaged with it uh, by the end of January as required. And also just on that, uh, usually when there are council sittings, the the public uh, does have access to those sittings, unless it's a closed session. Uh, Generally, I remember uh, back in the day when I was a youngster, I used to go and listen to those uh, um, deliberations uh, of the council in the town uh, in Standerton. So I think people should take a greater interest. Go, listen, make sure that you are on top of the issues as they uh, play out in your municipality. And if you find, in fact, when you read the financial statements and you find that there's an interesting disclosure in those financial statements, for example, about the continuous levels of irregular expenditure, you have a right to ask if that is not being discussed, for argument's sake, to Ah. find out why is this not being discussed, because in my eyes, this looks like one of the troubling issues in this municipalities, hence the potholes, hence the water leakages, hence all of those kind of things. 
Yeah, and I think this is the important bit, um, AG, that people need uh, to also be capacitated uh, to be informed about their rights because very often it seems as though we don't know what our rights are. Let's go back to the lines. 891 Floyd is in the Northern Cape and a former municipal manager. Good morning, Floyd. Good morning, Fakina, and good morning to the AG. Good morning, Floyd. Yeah, Fakina, you know, the problem befalling the municipalities is a direct result of the the quality and caliber of leadership that we have in municipalities, both from a political side who's supposed to provide oversight and the executive management. You know, I'm saying this because I joined the municipality in 2013, and what I found when I joined in March, it was about three months, three months before the end of the financial year, and the municipality had about over 100 findings from the, from the AG. And up to that stage in March, they had done absolutely nothing about it, you know, to try and uh, solve their prior issues. And what I immediately did was to get in touch with the AG and say, listen, I don't think we will be able to submit on time. Give me some time so that we address the prior issues, but we submitted around September, and, and lo and behold, after we did that, the municipality moved from years of disclaimers to a, a qualified audit opinion. You know, but I, I found that uh, immediately you do that, you actually trample on the toes of some people who, who will then try to use uh, means at their disposal, whether political or otherwise, to make it very uncomfortable for you in the municipality. Okay. Thanks so much, Floyd, and uh, giving us some insight there as a former municipal manager. And uh, again, very disheartening to hear that people got the findings there from the Auditor General, did absolutely nothing. Just sat there, waiting for the next financial year. Richard in Hazyview, good morning. Good morning, Sakina, and good morning, AJ. Welcome. Uh, my my input would, uh, you know, just come from a leader in the community that does not take part in this, uh, play in the space of the municipality in terms of leadership. Uh, and I know that the AG may have nothing to do with what I'm going to say, but I'm just hoping how many people are listening, especially those who who have their hands full with municipal um, financial uh, services. Uh, the one thing, uh, Sakina, is, is that I, I think the the, the the municipal managers, and this is my observation, if you have a municipal manager who is strong and who also wields some political power, he has he has some he, 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 he there's a likelihood that he will succeed. And I'm saying this because if we have contestation between the municipal manager and the council uh, it doesn't matter how good the guy is. He may not be able to uh, to live up to the expectations. And and, and two is, is that uh, perhaps municipal managers and the council uh, should should somehow find some forum where they all get educated on the big picture, which which is the uh, the financial statement at the end of the year, so that whatever decision is taken by the council. Uh, they must know, whatever small decision they take, they must know that it will make them in the balance sheet. Uh, many of those, I think uh, you can draw from the comments of the previous speaker, many of those 
it looks like they have no clue as to what their daily decisions are going to impact on on, on the balance sheets. And lastly, Sakina, I think, um, and I'm not sure how the system works, I think that if you appoint an, a municipal manager, instead of giving them a clean sheet and, and giving them a five-year contract, maybe they should get a one-year contract or five-year contract with a one-year probation and, and, and the, uh, uh, the performance contract of the particular manager should clearly be measured by the, by the performance in the, uh, in the financial statement. So that if he doesn't perform in the first year, then you know what to do. Thank you. Well, thank you so much, uh, Richard, in Hazyview. Uh, final call there from Enoch in Limpopo. Good morning to you. Good morning, Tina. Uh, we know what the solutions are. Uh, as long as the Department of Finance allocates funds to municipalities or even provinces without tight financial control, we are not getting anywhere. We should have regular I mean, inspectors who regularly visit all government instances to check whether the money is properly utilized so that the Auditor General, when, when he comes, then he, he looks at what they've been doing. Secondly, the second point and last is that uh, the outsourcing of services at municipal municipality level is the main cause of all these things because you find the the new councillor, the mayor, the mayor, and the the the, 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 the officer in charge of finance. All of them are in the team. The, the outsourcing has been exaggerated. Let a lot of duties be done by uh, locally by the local people, by the public servants themselves. Thank you so much, Enoch. It's the moment you've all been waiting for. The Forum at 8 with Sakina Kamwendo on AM Live. The Forum at 8 with Sakina Kamwendo. Well, don't know where the time went, but uh, just three minutes left and uh, the Auditor General will give his um, answers to the callers uh, that uh, called before the break. And uh, AG, again, you know, people coming up with, you know, what they think would be potential solutions here, uh, but also highlighting uh, some of the other areas of concern. Thank you, Sakina. I think more and more as we interact with the callers and the uh, interface with the public, there is no shortage, as you say, of uh, South Africans who know what needs to be done and South Africans who know what has gone wrong. And I think from what Floyd has shared uh, with us, it certainly resonates with what we also see, the stuff that Floyd was talking about regarding uh, interference and things lying around without being attended to. Uh, Richard from Hazyview, no doubt, his input about the harmony that is required in order to align objectives between executive and elected leadership is sometimes what is needed in a particular institution because there's nobody who's got an incentive to hide something from another particularly where they've set out their objectives very clearly. But I think the professionalism that comes with that uh, responsibility is also another factor that I think needs to be looked at in, in, in light of the inputs from the caller in Limpopo. But for how long? How long are we going to say these things? Professionalism comes with consequences, and the bottom line is that it's not about going to take people for training, really. You know, mm. If you've got a job and you've got to wake up and go check whether the amounts that were received yesterday have been duly deposited, or the people who have posted transactions to the different ledger accounts, did they have the authority to do it, and why is this uh, not out 
not in line with the budgets that have been set out. That's the kind of stuff that we are talking about. A professional waking up and going to work to go do something. Sometimes get unduly influenced by those that have got power above them. They've also got avenues to engage uh, these matters, even if it means whistleblowing, because the accountability for all these funds belongs to all of us. Whether somebody is responsible for laying out 25 uh, meters of fence in a particular municipality, whether that fence is laid out in an appropriate time so that the person who has invested their money in that project gets going quickly is another accountability that I think we mustn't take lightly. The essence of this is that I think we are all aware of the things that are being done in local government and what is needed is that the level of impunity unfortunately is very high and when you have a high level of impunity unfortunately the reward for virtue sometimes soon becomes that of robbery. Auditor General, thanks so much as always for your time. Really appreciate you coming through. And uh, I think I'm going to give the final word this morning to Ntabi. Ntabi says the bottom line is that people must wake up. They must get involved in the affairs of their local municipalities and demand accountability. And I think that's very well said.